Hello, everybody, and welcome to Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I'll be your host. First of all, I'd like to thank all my listeners for hanging in there with me during these uh, technical problems we've been having over the last few weeks, and uh, uh, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. First of all, let's go ahead and welcome all the folks who have checked in with us uh, since our last uh, podcast. We'd like to say hello to K7AGE, Randy in Grass Valley, California. K7AGE, uh, y'all go over to YouTube. Randy's got a few videos over there that uh, y'all might be interested in. Uh, KC7SXN, Kyle in Canfield, Ohio. Hello, Kyle. Uh, KD5VQD, Glenn in Deer Park, Texas. Uh, if y'all don't know where Deer Park is, it's down there around Houston, out there close to... Uh, the Battleship Texas, one of my favorite uh, places to stop by when I'm down in that area. W1WRA, William, and I'm going to get this wrong, William, and I'm sorry. Uh, Draycut, Massachusetts. Uh, WA8YCD, Bob in Morgantown, West Virginia. Allen in Atlanta, Georgia. And our unidentified listeners. Uh, we have uh, Nanuit, New York, checking in with us. Troy, Michigan. Uh, two guys in Troy uh, checking in with us. A new listener in St. Peterport, which is on uh, on the, in the Great Britain. Uh, new Brunswick, New Jersey. Alder Grove, British Columbia. We have two new listeners in Plano, Texas. Uh, one listener in Tracy, California, uh, Sacramento, Greenville, South Carolina. In Pleasanton, California, we have four new listeners. In Los Angeles, we picked up two. In San Francisco, we're getting quite popular. We picked up two more there. Um, we have now have three listeners in Lisbon, Portugal. Three in Las Lunas, New Mexico. A uh, new listener in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Two more listeners besides uh, Randy out in Grass Valley, California. Honolulu, Hawaii has finally checked in. Hello, Honolulu. Atlanta, Georgia. And another listener in Morgantown, West Virginia. Looking at this, uh, this doesn't appear to be everything I had on my list, but if I missed you, I will do my best to get back to you next week. Okay, to the technical issues we've been having here in the shack. Uh, I don't know if y'all been watching, but here in North Texas, we've had a pretty active storm season this year. And um, with active storm systems in North Texas, we have severe thunderstorms, high precipitation supercells most of the time, and... Uh, they throw off a lot of lightning and that kind of stuff, and I can protect my shack uh, the way anybody would. However, the city that I live in is the last one to get any kind of electrical services or upgrades, so uh, the wind really does a lot of does a lot of damage to the cable lines and the uh, electrical lines here locally. 
And with all that going on, we lost some equipment, uh, hard drive got fried, that kind of stuff. So we are back on the air. We will be bringing you a podcast. Uh, for the time being, we will be putting out the podcast every other week, every two weeks instead of every week. Uh, because all the computers here in the shack have refused to take a copy of Windows. They have flat refused. Every time I put it in, they regurgitate it. Uh, we are now on Linux operating system on two, uh, two of the three machines in this shack. One is completely dead. So, until we're able to uh, get our phones phone system upgraded where we can get it back working, uh, y'all probably going to have to listen to me for a few episodes. Um, if any of you guys know of a good soft phone program out there uh, that uh, has a recording facility, since I do interviews by phone, Y'all let me know. It needs to be able to run and record under the Linux operating system. And I was using Skype, which does not have a facility to record in the Linux version. We're currently looking at Gizmo and a couple of the others. But if y'all have any suggestions, y'all shoot me an email at uh, kb5jbv at gmail.com kb5jbv at gmail.com and uh, let me know if uh, what y'all think about that that brings us to something else we are on the linux operating system for recording the podcast and getting things put together for y'all we will be doing a linux program in the future for uh, uh, those of you radio operators that are running the Linux operating system in your ham shack and for those of you that uh, have thought about it might have wanted to try it and uh, that will be uh, probably pretty informative until we get to that let me go ahead and suggest my buddy Chess Griffin over at Linux Reality which is a, a podcast for the new Linux users you guys want to go over and give him a listen or whatever, uh, you can sign up at iTunes or uh, Podcast Alley. Any of the podcast places, you can probably go over and get the stuff to sign up. I don't recall his website right off the top of my head. However, he's not hard to find. And I guarantee you start with episode one and you will be truly amazed truly amazed okay let me also throw in here that we are looking to put together uh we've well let's do it this way the most popular episode so far by the number of downloads that i am seeing was the national traffic system episode which was the episode just previous to this one and That right there leads me to believe that that's the kind of stuff that y'all are wanting because I don't get a lot of feedback in the email. If y'all are, I am looking to put together an Aries uh, episode, an episode about the Amateur Radio Emergency Service. Any of you SECs, DECs, ECs, uh, guys that are involved in Aries in your area, 
please get in touch with me because I want to make sure I have all the information I can in this podcast. Here in my particular neck of the woods, uh, we are snowed under with that uh, that racy's uh, <laughs> stuff, and that's the primary operating situation here in the county in which I live. But I would like to get y'all's input. I would like to get some information from y'all. I would like to know how Aries is functioning for y'all in your neck of the woods. Uh, luckily, I've got some guys here in the county just north of me, and I'm going to be working with them to try and uh, get things pointed in the right direction. Okay, uh, I will be attempting to get back with the guys that I had lined up to come on the show before we had the problems. Uh Saturn, Army Mars, um, and also the uh, Linux for amateur radio. So y'all stick with us because we're really going to try and get y'all some stuff back in here and, and get back on a regular regular schedule for y'all. Okay, this week, or this episode, we're going to have a, a new segment. We've got a, got a gentleman that's, uh, he does a net every other week and he does a segment on his net which is called buzzword uh this segment buzzword he takes common words and phrases and stuff that you hear as part of our amateur radio jargon and talks for a few minutes about it uh kind of explaining it and clarifying it demystifying the hobby is what it uh, what it boils down to. Uh, Don W9VE, and this segment is not going to be a regular thing. I will only be able to put him on when uh, he gets them this direction. However, uh, we have three installments of it at the present time, and I'm sure that he's working to get us some more. Okay, I've spent as much time as I can boring y'all, I think. So, uh, let me look on my list here. Yep. We're going to go ahead and, uh, we'll go ahead and move on next segment. We'll go ahead and stick Don in there and then, uh, we'll follow up with mine. Uh, I'm going to talk to y'all about worked all states nets this week. So y'all get, y'all hang in there and we'll be right back with you. W9VE here with the buzzword for today, RFI. RFI stands for Radio Frequency Interference. It's something that's a fact of life that sometimes we have to live with. The solution to an RFI problem, and that would be like when your neighbor comes knocking on your door, hey, you're messing up my TV. Uh, the solution is probably technical at the, at the bottom of it, but really the, the way to go about the solution is to use 75% human relations and 25% technical because if the human relations part doesn't work, the technical part may not even have a chance to work. I'll explain. First, when, when you have a complaint like that, find out is it your fault or not. Now that's not to say if it's not your fault you're not going to help because it's a good idea to be helpful to people in general. But first, if he says channel 3 is blotted out on his 
TV when you're transmitting on 20 meters. Uh, get on 20 meters and and see if, if Channel 3 is blotted out on your TV. If it is, then that doesn't necessarily prove that it, it, it is your fault, but uh, it's uh, if it's not blotted out, that's pretty good proof that it's not your fault. Now, what is your fault? Well, if you're putting out harmonics or spurious signals uh, on unauthorized frequencies, that is your fault. If you're putting out uh, a signal of good technical quality, confined to the amateur bands, and uh, hopefully to one amateur band at a time, um, the problem is probably not your fault. It's probably caused by overload, uh, rectification, and so forth. Um, but if, according to the FCC, if a problem is caused by overload, in other words, there's just too much signal at the front end of his television, even though it's nowhere near the television frequency, it's, it's blasting the front end, that is not your fault. It's his fault because of the technical design of his equipment. And certainly the manufacturers don't want to spend a lot of money adding uh, immunity to amateur transmissions when, in fact, very few of those TV sets are actually going to be in the near proximity of an amateur transmitter. One thing you really want to do is take notes. Ask the complainant to note when the problem occurs, what channels or what equipment is affected. Does it affect all the channels or just one or two? Ask him to keep notes. And you need to keep your own log, the times, frequencies, power, beam headings, the antenna you're using. Every time you get on the air, or every time when you're on the air, you change frequency or change antennas or anything is different. Uh, maybe you go from FM to sideband, or you go from sideband to CW. Uh, log all that stuff down. Matter of fact, we used to have to do all that back in the old days, but those days are gone. Uh, but when you keep your log, if you keep an accurate log, and the complainant's keeping his log, then you can find out um, if there's any correspondence between your activities and the problems he's noticing. Uh, let me back up a bit, a bit, though. It's a very good idea, unless you're, you know, the only means of communication with some sinking ship or some dramatic emergency like that. The guy says, hey, I'm trying to watch the NBA playoffs, and you're radio's causing this problem. He said, well, you know, it, it may or may not be, but I'll tell you what, I'll turn my radio off for the evening and let you enjoy your show, and then we'll talk more about it later. Uh, that is much more likely to uh, result ultimately in a happy ending for everybody than saying, well, no, it's your problem, and, uh, you know, get off my property, and, and so forth. Because uh, human relations is really at the basis of most RFI solutions. Okay. If, it's, if you are at fault, get another ham to operate your station while you witness the problem. And remember, there's two kinds of RFI to consumer devices. First, harmonics. Harmonics uh, are the multiples of the fundamental frequency, as you probably learned when you studied for your technician exam. If you're transmitting on uh, 144 megahertz, the first harmonic is 144, but the second harmonic is 288. And the third is three times 144, whatever that might be. Um, and there's a very common device called a low-pass filter that goes in the, uh, if you're working HF, you know, basically up through 10 meters, but not above 10 meters, a low-pass filter will remove uh, an enormous amount of 
whatever energy is above 10 meters. And the club has a very good one that can be lent out to see if that solves any problems. So if you got a problem, uh, check with the DARC. Um, but the other kind of the other source of problem is fundamental overload, as we mentioned previously. Um, first, if you've got a problem with fundamental overload, but your station is clean, make sure that uh, an RF safety survey has been done, because the FCC may come to investigate, and that's one of the first things they're going to look for. And you should have done it anyway. Also, make sure your equipment is properly grounded. The FCC is going to look at that too. Uh, you can argue whether or not grounding the transmitter actually helps, but that doesn't matter. It's good engineering practice, and that is uh, one of the things the FCC examiner is going to look for. Have you done that? Remedies. Well, while the other hand's running your transmitter, start adding fixes at the complainant's home. Now, this assumes you've still got a good enough relationship that he's going to let you in his home and let you try to solve the problem. Uh, what are the fixes? Well, first, line filters. A line filter is something that chokes out RF energy but allows the AC line currents to pass to the appliance that's being used. Uh, typically just a ferrite inductor, maybe some capacitors across the line. Uh, they're very easy to make, very cheap, and they can be purchased. The club also has line filters to lend out to, to, when you have a problem. Uh, besides the AC line, also the speaker leads uh, can be a problem. Sometimes a speaker lead can be up to 30 feet long in a large home, and uh, the real nightmare is one that has a home entertainment center with speakers in all the rooms of the house, because uh, <laughs> that really can be a, a challenging uh, fix, if it can be fixed at all. So uh, the, the AC line filter uh, on the AC line, but also uh, uh, filters on the speaker leads, and by a filter I mean nothing more than a ferrite rod or a toroid with a speaker lead wound through there several times or around the rod to choke off the RF energy. Unfortunately, you probably need one on every speaker lead, so if there's 10 speakers, you probably need 10 RF chokes. And uh, the idea, the fundamental idea, is to keep piling fixes on until the problem goes away and then start taking the fixes off and see which ones are truly critical and which ones are, are really not necessary. Now, that's the, the uh, blocking off the HF from the power leads, uh, AC line rather, and from the speaker uh, wires. If uh, the receiving device is a VCR or a television or FM radio. Quite often, there'll be an outside antenna or at least some rabbit ears inside, and a high-pass filter in in series with the um, RF lead coming into the VCR or TV or FM radio will uh, block out the lower amateur frequencies and allow the higher, the VHF and UHF frequencies, uh, important to TV and FM and so forth, to come through. Uh, the club has uh, some uh, high-pass filters available that can be temporarily installed on the victim's TV to see if that will help. And um, if you've got a problem like that, uh, the high-pass filters are fairly easy to get. I think uh, Radio Shack, a lot of places, sells them. And uh, it's not your responsibility to furnish the materials that is going to fix the victim's problem, although uh, it's always a good idea to do that unless it involves something that might involve uh, 
possibly causing a fire or something like that where the victim is going to feel that you've really wronged him, <laughs> he'll probably sue you. Um, but uh, RF ferrites and things of that nature, there's very little possibility that they're going to cause any problem. Um, so my preference is to, you know, unless it's a huge expense, just to just to buy the stuff, put it on for the guy, and and go back and operate, and not, never have to think of it again. Uh, other people are very resentful that they would, you know, they would have to pay for somebody else's uh, TV being. Um, not too good and, and insist on the the owner paying well that's fair but I don't know the owner sometimes that can lead to the neighborhood stress I was telling you about anyway there's a lot to RFI but the fundamental solution to any RFI problem even in your own home with your kids is, is human relations and uh, showing respect for the other person and uh, trying to understand their point of view uh, and not necessarily bending over backwards, but being able to bend, being willing to bend and and uh, possibly even purchase some little RF chokes or ferrites or something like that to solve the problem. But uh, when you really think about it, harmony in the neighborhood and in the home is probably more important even than ham radio. There'll be a lot more on RFI uh, to talk about, and that will be the subject of future buzzwords. So you didn't really get a full buzzword uh, of the day. You just got part of a buzzword. This is WNIVE. Until then. And this time around, we're going to talk about uh, worked all states' nets. Um, let me start with saying uh, I apologize. <laughs> I told y'all I wasn't going to do how-tos on this uh, podcast. However, I have been desperately trying to get a hold of someone over at the 3905 Century Club to come on and talk about uh, Century Club and worked all states in general, worked all states nets in general for the last, uh, I don't know, ever since we started the podcast. So... Uh, the one person I have spoken to seems to be uh, not have the time to be bothered by somebody like me, so we'll just go ahead and do it ourselves. I feel I'm fairly qualified. I was net control for 3905 Century Club, which is one of the worked all states nets for about six months, and am pretty familiar with most aspects of it. There may be things that I... I don't have information on, but I'm sure somebody out there can let me know if I do... Uh, do present some information which is not uh, not correct. Okay, so worked all states and DX nets. Worked all states and DX nets are uh, nets where groups of folks get together with the goal of working for awards, uh, sometimes referred to as wallpaper. Uh, just about anybody on the brag sheets got it. Live brag list is at least got. Uh, one or two awards even if it's something as simple as working the Route 66 special event every year or uh, something to that effect so these guys they get together on a regular schedule and have a net and ex exchange contact information with the goal of uh, exchanging QSL cards so that they can work towards different awards the worked all states award most uh, of the bigger organizations have some sort of worked all states awards 
the ARRL has worked all states award, even though they don't have any nets which contribute to helping you out with that. Uh, even 1010 International, which is uh, pretty much specifically 10 meters, has a worked all states award. Uh, this is the case with the worked all states nets. They do have worked all states awards, but they do have a variety of other awards and uh, we may talk about that in the future, but that's a little bit beyond the scope of what we're going to do here today. Um, my goal for this particular session is for us to be able to access and utilize these nets uh, because I've had lots of questions from some of the new generals here in my area concerning this. So let's get started. The three major worked all states and nets, and this covers DX nets also, so it's all pretty much, it all pretty much works the same way. But the three major worked all states nets in our part of the world, in uh, this hemisphere, are the 3905 Century Club, uh, Ole Miss, the Old Man International Sideband Society is what I believe it stands for, and Triple H. Now, all these nets have set times and dates and uh, net schedules and everything else, so it's not hard to, to uh, figure out when they're going to be on the air so that you can get on them. Uh, 3905 Century Club operates a daily net at 23.30 hours UTC on 7.178 and operates a 75 meter net at 0.230 hours UTC on 3.902. Now, you can go to their website. That's not the only nets, but those are the ones that are daily and have the most folks showing up. Uh, Ole Miss operates a daily net at 0200 UTC at 3.9405. And they operate one on 40 meters at 7.185. And that's at 0100 Zulu. These are daily nets. They happen every day. Triple H, on the other hand, unless you're a night owl, Triple H is going to be kind of difficult for you, of course. Then again, uh, having four, four more time zones in the United States, Triple H may or may not be uh, what suits your schedule best. They operate a daily net at 7.235 and it starts at 0700 UTC and that's every day so let me give you all some URLs here so you can go check out those, uh, those schedules uh, CCN they keep changing the website over and it gets harder and harder to find their net schedules but uh, www.3905ccn.com www.3905charliecharlienovember.com That's 3905 Century Club. Ole Miss you can find at www.omissoscarmikeindiasierrasierra.net 
www.omiss.net and Triple H can be found at www.hhhnet that's hotel 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 november echo tango dot net www.hhhnet.net okay so that's their websites where you can get the information they also have information on different awards that they offer and that kind of stuff but how do we get involved in one of these nets well once you know where they are and what time they are then all you really have to do is show up at the beginning of some of the nets and once again I'm going to draw from Century Club because that's what I have most experience with when you show up for the net you're there on time you've got your radio tuned you're ready to go uh, they will start the net with a preamble just like any other net and um, then they'll start to take check-ins now the check-in procedure for uh, nets are pretty pretty basic they all run pretty much the same way in the case of Century Club uh, the net control will read the preamble then he'll take check-ins from charter signers which are folks who have been involved with the club since it's or the organization since its inception then they'll take uh, check-ins from master degree holders which are Y'all check out that master's degree over at uh, CCN. It takes a lot of work to get there, so the guys that have it, they've really been dedicated over the years. Then they'll start. Then they'll take check-ins from mobile stations and weak stations, and uh, even from time to time, they'll start off by taking DX stations, which is not unusual on these nets. DX stations do show up on these worked-all states nets. Don't let worked-all states fool you because any of these types of nets uh, are good for working DX because they will show up okay after that uh, the standard for CCN is they start taking check-ins by call area and the call area that they use on a particular night has to do with the date on the 12th of the month the 12th day of the month they will start with the number two call area on the fifth day of the month they'll start with the fifth call area on the 30th day of the month they will start with the uh, 10th call area or zero call area so it rotates through and whereas one night you may show up and be way down at the end of the list uh, couple nights later you may show up and check in and be up towards the top of the list so it's a, a fair rotation of check-ins so that everybody gets an equal shot so if he calls for check-ins on the fifth call area you go ahead and throw your call sign in they will repeat your call back to you and give you a number they will tell you what number you are on the list because they run this list from top to bottom in numerical order if you miss check-ins at the beginning they will stop later to take more check-ins but at that point it doesn't matter what call area you're in if you show up late you will end up at the end of the list so 
Now we're checked in. Now what? Well, they'll work down through the the list. Sometimes, most of the time, you get one call. You can call one station. That's why you need to be listening for the stations you can hear or whatever. And uh, in the case of Ole Miss and CCN, they do issue a list of check-ins via uh, the internet so that you can have a hard copy of the list in front of you, but the list is fluid. People come, people go, uh, people get added to the end, that kind of stuff, and just because they're on that list doesn't mean you can hear them. <clears throat> so you need to kind of be listening for what stations you can hear on the net. So as they work down that list, uh, you'll get a call. Sometimes uh, they'll later in the net they'll say go ahead and call two stations so you're working down they're working down through the list and your time comes well what do you do then well it varies from net to net how you call your stations and that kind of stuff but basically you throw your call sign out or throw their call sign out followed by your call sign and give them a signal report now, I'm not going to waste a lot of time talking about signal reports, you know, 579, 5922, whatever. I'm not going to, you guys will pick that up. So, you give the signal report to him. He will repeat your signal report back to you and then give you signal report from that end. Once you have both exchanged signal reports and y'all have each other's call sign, uh, the net control or one of the relay stations will uh, key up and say good contact. Now you have good contact. So that's the hard part of the job is done. Now it's not unusual on these nets to end up with six or seven uh, contacts a night. Just because you call one station when your turn is up doesn't mean that other people aren't going to call you. And when you're new to these nets, you're more important because that's a call sign they don't have. And some awards require that they use call signs that they haven't used on any other award. So even if you're a Texas station, and us Texas guys, we, we catch a lot of flack because there's so many operators here in Texas that uh, even the DX stations will hear a five call and they decide to go on to something else simply because... There's so many of us, and they've probably worked a, a hundred or a thousand uh, Texas stations. But in the case of the worked all states nets, that doesn't necessarily apply. Okay, so you've checked in. Well, you found the frequency and time. You've checked in. You've made your good contact. What next? Well, next, the process is pretty simple. You gather up your QSL cards, uh, get the information, appropriate information on them, and get them sent off to the other station. One of the things that these, uh, these uh, worked all states and DX nets are really picky about is that you confirm these contacts. Because if you get the reputation for being someone who doesn't confirm contacts, you're pretty much done on that net. They're not going to kick you off that net, but nobody's going to attempt to talk to you or contact you because they know that it's not going to benefit them. 
So, you have to make sure you QSL. Now, today, things are pretty expensive as far as QSLing are concerned. The place where I get my QSL cards, I pay about $0.10 cents a piece for them. You take that and the cost of an envelope and $0.50 cents for a stamp, and then if you want to make sure they're going to QSL you back, you need to put SASE in there, so that's another envelope and another stamp. Um, the process of QSLing on a worked all states net where you make work two, five, ten contacts in a night turns into a pretty expensive proposal. I ran a little numbers, a few numbers on it, and from if you send out seven cards for seven contacts and you do that. Uh, religiously okay we're talking about 30 you send out uh, seven cards at a dollar and 52 cents and that's the rough estimate I got considering the price of a QSL card two stamps and two envelopes a dollar and 52 cents and you make seven contacts and you have to send those out you're ten dollars and 64 cents into QSL and, and that can be just one net okay they have these things daily that's seven days a week they have the uh, they have more than one net so two nets would be twice that so it can get pretty expensive pretty fast luckily there's a solution or at least something to to ease the situation somewhat and that is that almost every worked all states dx net uh, organization where you contact other people through that organization like Smirk or 1010 or some of the others has a QSL bureau for that particular operation, okay? You know, it's not like you can send a DX card to one of these uh, mysterious islands out in the Pacific through Worked All States Net QSL Bureau. It doesn't really work that way. The ARRL has something for that, even though it's not real great. So, in that case, we're talking about uh, you're able to send cards to other people on these worked all states nets through the bureau. This saves a lot of money. Let me, uh, at this point, we're talking about 35 cards uh, can cost you like 30, 40 bucks just sending them direct. Whereas if you do it through the bureau, and I'll give you the numbers on that in a second, if you do it through the bureau, that thirty-five, forty bucks turns into seven dollars and five cents. So now you're in a better position. So let me run those numbers for you. Uh, Forty-three cents for an envelope, twenty-eight cents for a stamp, or uh, no, forty-three cents for a stamp, twenty-eight cents for an envelope. Yeah, and these are rough estimates once again, and seventy cents for seven cards is a dollar forty one if you do that five days a week uh you're talking or five times five times you're talking about seven dollars and five cents right the the point is you can get seven cards in one envelope without having 
to go through all the the mess of having 14 envelopes 14 stamps and seven cards I've gotten as many as 10 cards in an envelope to the Bureau and able to send it on one stamp so the QSLing portion of this there's a lot of savings to be had and if you do things like some of the guys do like run your QSL cards on a printer on your printer at the house you can probably even get the price down even more so you send these cards there and from there the QSL Bureau will put them in a, in a pile to go in the envelope for the station that you're trying to get the contact for so these cards go out where they need to go now how do you get your cards back well that's easy too you find out who the guy is that runs the bureau or what the address is for uh, the bureau and you send some envelopes you send four or five at a time a lot of times they'll uh, uh, mark on them as they come back to you how many cards you have how many envelopes you have left in the bureau now it's been my experience that about seven cards is all they're going to send from the bureau at one time depending on what net you're involved in once again all these organizations are run by different people and they're handled differently but they, there are a lot of things that are basically the same so you put together five self-addressed stamped envelopes you put your call sign in the corner in the case of Century Club so that they know who they belong to for sure and they will hold those and when they ha when you have enough cards at that bureau to fill them up or to fill up an envelope they'll fill the envelope seal it up stick it in the mail and it's on its way to you at one point when I was working Century Club really hot and heavy uh, I was getting an envelope about every other day course I was shooting envelopes off to the bureau just about every other day also uh, there were a lot of cards passed both directions in the mail at that point so okay you've sent your QSLs off you've got your envelopes in the bureau you're waiting for your cards to come back when you get your cards back then it's wonderful it's time now let me make let me uh, stop a minute and uh, and back up why do we use QSL cards? Well, most organizations still do not accept electronic QSL cards. ARRL is one of them. Now, they do have a program called Logbook of the World, which is difficult to get set up, and uh, not a whole lot of people are using it uh, at this point percentage wise I know somebody out there is probably saying everybody's using logbook of the world well no not everybody but uh, percentage wise uh, there's more people that aren't using it than are using it uh, EQSL is another EQSL wonderful thing uh, unfortunately uh, a lot of the places out there know every, almost every ham has got a computer in his ham shack and he can generate a card that looks very much like what you would get from EQSL and print on your computer. So a lot of times these places still require a hard copy of that card. Okay. 
Uh, we're not going to get into the intricacies of sending your cards off for awards and stuff like that, but 99% of the times, card checkers are, wanna go, are going to want to see the actual physical card. So, QSLing through the mail is still the way it's done. All right, you've sent your cards off. You got your envelopes in the bureau. You're waiting for your cards to come back. When your cards come back, you've got them in your hands. You get them sorted out. Get your applications filled out. Send them off to get your awards. Life is lovely. Plus, you can meet a lot of people and uh, talk to some really good guys around these nets before, after, different frequencies, that kind of stuff. Uh, N0PUI up in Minnesota, he's he's a really good guy. There's uh, uh, WD5FDP over here in Arkansas. He, he's, he's a great guy, too. Uh, these are all people that I met through the Worked All Stage Nets. And because of the organized fashion of this Worked All Stage Net, those people, those of you out there that have a little bit of mic fright and you don't want to jump in and have long conversations and um, there's just something that generally makes you nervous about operating on HF in the first place, these are a good place to start and get your feet wet. Uh, it's not difficult and nobody's going to give you a hard time about your operating practices unless you're just completely off, out in left field. <clears throat> and uh, it's probably one of the best places to start that I can think of. Now let me expand upon this a little bit because I'm starting to run out of time for this segment. And uh, what I've discussed today is uh, worked all states, a specific worked all states net. Once again, I gave you three places you can go, read their information, learn about it. Uh, my suggestion is take a short stint being a net control because uh, being a net control, like it's kind of the core of being an amateur radio operator and a lot of people don't realize that. But once again, let me give you those URLs one more time. Uh, Century Club is at www.3905ccn.com. Ole Miss is at www dot omis dot net and triple h is at www dot h h h net net dot net h h h net dot net and that way y'all can go on over and check out what they got going and everything else and uh, get on the road to checking into some of these nets and I'll be looking forward to, to hearing y'all out there. But once again, let me stay. Uh, these are just worked all states nets. Now, DX nets, uh, there are some of those too, down on uh, tw 20 meters. Uh, go over to the ARRL's website at www.arrl.net. No, dot org www.arrl.org check out their net directory online uh, I always keep a hard copy here in the shack 
but you'll be able to find some DX nets there. You'll also find, as you research, research out on the web, that uh, 1010 International has nets, and some of their chapters have nets um, for gathering up paperwork. I have a 1010 number, even though at the present time I'm a lapsed member. Uh, 73812 is what I am. Uh, smirk. Um, fists. Like I said, a lot of these organizations, they have uh, awards programs, they have nets, they have places you can get on and operate without uh, the fear of being out there without any kind of uh, support behind you. You know, working without wires. Well, that'll be the subject of a different, uh, different episode of this podcast because... Working without wires is when you're going to go out there and start chasing that DX or working worked all states on your own without a net uh, to operate on. Last but not least, it is like watching grass grow operating some of these nets because their check-ins are pretty large and they may only run the list twice in a couple hours. But stick in there grab it you know in in one year you know, wasn't even a year in about seven months i had gotten to the point with uh 3905 century club that i had worked all but two states and they're ones that are really difficult to hear down here in texas uh one of them's rhode island and the other one is vermont and i think i have I think I've gotten them since then. I'm not a big paper chaser myself. I just, uh, I like QSL cards. I like the variety, uh, different things that people will put on their cards. So I like to have the cards because I think they're interesting, very interesting. And with that, uh, I think we've pretty much covered just about everything we can on Worked All States Nets. If y'all have any questions, y'all make sure you get in touch with me. And with that, I think we'll move on to the next segment. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Uh, I'm glad we could get this one out to y'all this week, and we'll continue to try and do so. I'd like to say thank you to Don W9VE for sending in uh, these uh, little snippets of uh, buzzword, and I've got a couple more of those sitting here and waiting for some more to come on in. That reminds me, if y'all have anything that y'all would like to add to Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast uh, little short segments like Don's or uh, even a full length uh, full length segment y'all go ahead and send those to me by email at kb5jbv at gmail.com that's kb5jbv at gmail.com try and keep the shorter segments to less than 10 minutes and uh, if you decide you want to do a full segment we want to shoot for close to about a half hour uh That turns out to be uh, what seems to be working best at this time. Okay, Uh, y'all go on over and check in at the Frapper map. You uh, let all your friends know that we're back and up and operating. 
Frapper Maps over at KB5JBV at blogspot.com. That's KB5JBV at blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. And uh, I will do what I can to get the Frapper Map back up to the top of the page again. It seems to have worked its way on down once more. Okay. If there are any comments, suggestions, uh, show ideas, uh, anything at all, uh, you can send. go ahead and send me an email at kb5jbv at gmail.com and uh, we'll do our best to uh, get it going. Uh, send those feedbacks in. We'll read them on the air or uh, if you want to send us audio feedback, we can do that too. All you have to do is send it in the MP3, AUG, or WAV format. Uh, these are the three formats we can do on any of the audio stuff y'all send to us and be able to get them on to the podcast. Uh, I'd like to hear opinions from some of you guys that are running Linux out there. I'm really liking this AUG format myself and uh, the fact that it sounds better and it makes the files smaller is really beneficial. So uh, if y'all would be interested in... uh, maybe being able to get those in that particular format this open source format uh, please let me know also alrighty I really can't think of a whole lot else other than uh, once again we'll uh, do our best to be here next week y'all get those emails in Uh, keep sticking pins in that frapper map and I guess we're about done I'd like to thank Midlife Crisis for the music used on this podcast and uh, for all the folks that have helped us out so far. Oh, let me back up just a minute. I had a talk with Jim Haney here a few days ago at one of the club meetings. For those of you who don't know Jim Haney, just go to your favorite search search engine and type W5JBP and you'll find more information than you can shake a stick at. And uh, he and I will be working towards getting a uh, program together Uh, he and I discussed a few things and he seems to be interested in helping us out so uh, with all of that let me start over again we'd like to thank Midlife Crisis for the music heard on this podcast I'd like to thank all my listeners for hanging in there with me and uh, uh, for those of you who are new listeners or just catching up y'all go on over to the website at kb5jbv at blogspot.com and uh, stick a pen in that frapper map so we know you're out there listening to us. Alrighty, uh, I'd like to thank the dog who I think I broke tonight. If any, any of you know a good puppy psychologist, please let me know. I'd also like to thank my wife Brenda for putting up with all of my insane crap. And with that, you and your families be careful this week and uh, we'll catch y'all next time, 73.
that's not my problem. I think you should tell him to get out like me and get a job. Yeah, I've been paying my taxes, working hard every day. Don't you dare go giving it all away. Give all mine away. 